0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to Midcast, an interview series featuring dissenting voices the establishment would rather silence. I'm your host, Manar Adli, founder and editor-in-chief of Mit Press News. Now, to help us continue these interviews, we invite you to become a member on our Patreon page, which we'll link in the video below. As an independent media watchdog outlet that exposes the corruption of the ruling class and the attacks on our civil liberties, we are facing major censorship and shadow banning by social media tech giants. And that's why we also ask for you to share our videos and help fund our projects as we stand up to the war machine. So let's get right to it. Today, we'll be joined by Mitt Press News uh, senior staff writer Alan McLeod, who recently uncovered for Mitt Press an imperial regime change NGO that acts very similarly to the CIA. You've probably never even heard of it. It's called Creative Associates International. Now, Creative Associates International is part of a worldwide network of soft power institutions that serve the purpose of regime change for U.S. empire. Creative Associates has played a huge role in privatizing Iraq. It designed messenger apps meant to overthrow the government of Cuba. It has even served as a front group for the infamous Blackwater Mercenary Force and has liaisoned with the Contra death squads in Nicaragua. Nicaragua, yet very few people know about the organization. Alan, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: It's good to be with you. How are you?
0: Very good. Um, First, I'd like you to tell us more about who Creative Associates International is, how it was formed, and why we should know about them today.
1: Sure. Well, I guess if you go to Creative Associates International, uh, their webpage, you'll see pictures of smiling African kids being taught English in, in school classrooms. You'll see uh, Latino farmers bringing in their harvest. You'll see uh, girls in Asia going to school. And you get the impression from, uh, from looking at that website that they're a very progressive uh, charity that's based on development and compassion. But when you start digging even just a little bit deeper, it starts to become a bit more murky. For instance, on its About Us section of their uh, website, it says that they provide outstanding on-the-ground development services which forge partnerships to deliver sustainable solutions to global challenges. Now, as if that's any sort of uh, answer to who are you, uh, they go on to say... uh, Creative is uh, recognized in the field for its ability to quickly adapt and excel in conflict and post-conflict environments, and that sounds an awful lot like how Blackwater, the infamous mercenary group, describes itself. And so, really, when you start, when I started looking at this, I started thinking: Is this like a, a fluffy, uh, progressive charity, or is this some sort of like regime change uh, operation? And really, it's a little of column A and a little of column B. As you said in the intro, they've they've uh, in their in their past they've helped uh, liaise with the contras, the famous death squads in Nicaragua. Also in Pakistan, their office was used as a front for Blackwater, which used it to conduct raids along the Afghan-Pakistan uh, border. And they were also used in Iraq and Afghanistan to privatize those countries' education systems and really turn them over to U.S. businesses. So really, I think. Uh, If you do ask, uh, you know, who is Creative Associates, um, I think you can basically put them in the same sort of category as so many of these NGOs and uh, semi-governmental organizations which are located around D.C. I mean, Creative Associates, just uh, their personal history, they were started in the 1970s by a very wealthy Bolivian who... Uh, left, whose parents left the country because of the progressive revolution that was going on there. And uh, they moved to the United States and very quickly, Creative became a very large company indeed, employing over a thousand people and contracting many thousands more. And right now they say on their website that they're working in at least 85 countries. And it's likely that that's actually even more. So they have an enormous uh, web of, um, of contacts and power around the world. But nobody's really talking about them. I think I'm the first person who's really done an in-depth uh, dive into what they're doing, into into more than one country. And so, really, I think uh, more people should be looking at this.
0: And so, I want to talk about what they've done in Iraq. Um, you know, you've written very extensively about their background and their history. Um, they obviously present themselves as a progressive, empowering charity, which is basically how most. <laughs> Of these NGOs present themselves to the public. I mean, you mentioned when you go on their website, they've got these smiling children in Africa, in the Middle East, and in Asia, harvesting their crops and stuff like that. I mean, that kind of reminds me of of just like how the neoliberal establishment really view themselves as empowering people in the global south. And so Iraq is obviously a country that the United States has occupied for decades, right? And we have the largest U.S. embassy is in Iraq. Talk to me about what they've done in the country of Iraq.
1: Yeah, sure. So in Iraq, of course, the society was completely devastated in the early 2000s by the U.S. invasion. And the U.S. is still there. And that basically means they call the shots with regards to what happens in Iraqi society, where money goes. And Creative Associates has come along and been the, uh, the architect of the Iraqi education system. Um, there's only really one person who's really looked into this uh, in great detail. That's uh, Kenneth Saltman of the University of Illinois. And he describes it as a classic example of disaster capitalism, which means that, you know, whenever some sort of terrible event occurs, like a hurricane, uh, big corporations and the government move in and start enacting laws which they normally couldn't pass. Uh, But because everybody's in shock, uh, they managed to ram these things through. Something like this happened with uh, Hurricane Katrina, uh, where in New Orleans, their school system was privatized. Other things, you know, the Patriot Act in the wake of September 11th are also seen as these uh, examples of disaster capitalism. Anyway, Saltman says that he that creative associates really remodeled Iraqi society uh, based on a radical free market experiment that was hell bent on demolishing the public sector and shifting control of civil society and yes, society more generally completely over to the private sector, and that is a private company that takes its orders from Washington. And he quotes, uh, and he says, and I directly quote him here, that this was essentially an attempt to hand a nation over to corporations. What creative associates have done has been to uh, rewrite Iraqi textbooks and Afghan textbooks, because they're doing this in Afghanistan as well. For instance, they managed to, uh, to just cut the last 40 years of Afghan history from the school's curriculum. So the Taliban are not even mentioned in Afghan textbooks. And, you know, one uh, American educator said that you can't buy that kind of thought control unless you have a few hundred million dollars. And so ultimately, while creative is making enormous profits and even gaining plaudits for, you know, doing this education work in Iraq, there is a, a more subtle and nefarious uh, undercurrent running through all this.
0: Okay. And then you, I mean, you, you discussed that that. That Creative Associates is actually part of a think tank industrial complex. Um, you mentioned that they're privatizing these education industries in Iraq and Afghanistan um, and other industries too that are lining the pockets of people in Washington, D.C. Explain to us um, this system of the think tank industrial complex that Creative uh, Associates is part of.
1: Yeah, so I'm referencing the military-industrial complex, which is what uh, President Eisenhower talked about in his uh, address to the U.S. nation when he was leaving office. He warned America that uh, there was this new network of huge weapons contractors that were essentially calling the shots in Washington and leading to a situation where the United States would feel trapped into forever wars, which were uh, helping no one except uh, shareholders in companies like Boeing and Raytheon and General Dynamics or Northrop Grumman. And something quite similar is happening now uh, in the US with this think tank industrial complex. Um so much of what the CIA did covertly is now done pretty much openly by semi-private companies that uh, are based in New York or DC. Uh, if you go to the suburbs of DC, a lot of people call it Raytheon Acres, the uh, Virginia and Maryland. There are a bunch of huge offices staffed with people who are essentially deciding health or education or economic policy across the world. And, uh, that's what, uh, Creative Associates is really part of, you know? Um, they first, they, these sort of think tanks, uh, really got in on the development and redevelopment game. First in Serbia, where the U.S., uh, bombed the country in 1999 and then helped to engineer the ouster of President Milosevic. Uh, and then they really hit the jackpot in Iraq and Afghanistan, where trillions of dollars have been spent on those wars, including uh, billions upon billions are on uh, reconstruction, most of which uh, tends to be decided by US-based firms and not, you know, the Iraqi government or the Afghan government. So that's why it's really not a democratic uh, endeavor. These sort of think tanks, because they do not shift power and decision making over to local people in their communities. What happens is uh, bigwigs in Washington or New York or London or wherever they're based. Still get to call the shots, and they get to redesign much of the world. And so, really, this is a new form. I would argue of a very sort of creeping imperialism, where these uh, companies present themselves as being these progressive champions of, say, women's rights, or you know, empowering children, or local minority groups. But in fact, what they're doing is they're being very careful not they're being very careful to design societies. In a way that is much more conducive to US interests than most people realize.
0: Okay, so talk to us a little bit about how they design these societies. I mean, what is the thought process behind this? Obviously it's for profit, but like what does this exactly like entail? And what does that look like?
1: Well, I guess Saltman says that a lot of the time these uh, campaigns are directed against countries which have a very strong state sector historically. A lot of them, you know, ex-Soviet countries, perhaps. And the point is to try and really reorganize society around free market lines. One example is in Haiti, where... They have put in a lot of money, Creative Associates, into redesigning Haitian journalism, um, really trying to train hundreds of uh, Haitians in the American model of journalism, which is all about you know, talking about objectivity and not bringing your own uh, opinions into it. But what this was really doing is uh, it's really an assault on Haiti's traditional journalism, which is really class-based, where people see journalists as representing either the elite or the people. And what uh, uh, the US is doing there is essentially flooding a certain sector of uh, Haiti uh, Haiti with um, plenty of money to establish these outlets as credible sources. And what that does is essentially attack the traditional outlets, which have preached a more sort of radical message. And so ultimately, this is a a process of defanging what's going on. And so, yeah, as I said, it's a very subtle way of uh, enacting change in societies and also making sure that other types of change become much less uh, easy to uh, undertake.
0: Okay. And what about um, you talk a lot about Cuba in your article as well. What has Creative Associates International done uh, to kind of change up society within Cuba and to promote regime change?
1: Oh, boy. I mean, they are infamous. I think if uh, if anybody's heard of Creative Associates, it's probably with regards to what they've done in Cuba. So, for instance, perhaps their most notorious mission was to create a Twitter-like app called Zunzunio, which... Uh, They were paid for, they were paid by the USAID and other uh, three-letter agencies in Washington to design this app, which was supposed to be an independent news and messaging app. The idea was behind it that they would uh, start off with a very good and cheap service, which would immediately uh, rise to prominence in Cuba and become a trusted uh, source of news and a way to communicate. But then slowly, over time, the idea was to start drip feeding anti-government slogans and messages into people's inboxes and news feeds. And then after a couple of years, it might seem like there's this uh, big groundswell of anti-government activity, at which point Creative Associates was uh, planning to basically start a colour revolution uh, via this app, which would tell everybody, you know, go to the central square, we're all meeting there, down with the government, et cetera. This uh, endeavor was actually exposed by the Associated Press in a long article in 2014. Um, Creative Associates actually tried to get, and so did uh, the US State Department, they tried to get Twitter's Jack Dorsey on board with this. They had a meeting with him. It's not known to what extent Jack was actually involved in this. I suspect probably very minimally, because only a little while after that meeting, they decided to can this project. But the fact that this was going on uh, is quite frankly, astonishing, especially when you consider that um, foreign interference in uh, domestic elections or domestic society was such a huge issue in the 2010s. People were always talking in the US about Russian interference and how it was an absolute affront to democracy. And yet, when you look at what Russia is accused of doing, it really right. only it only like goes to about one one hundredth of what Creative Associates was actually doing in Cuba. That's, why, that's, I'm only, la-
0: that's why I'm laughing. <laughs> yeah,
1: And that's only one story. I mean, Creative Associates also created a phony HIV AIDS awareness drive in Cuba. Uh, they they were able to uh, fly operatives from all around Latin, uh, Latin America to the island. And their excuse, they said perfect excuse, which is uh, in their internal uh, documents, which was released. This was just this uh, great idea which allowed their operatives to move around Cuba and try to find people and groups that they could liaise with to try to Ultimately, overthrow the Cuban government, which has been the goal of the U.S. since 1959. I mean, Fidel Castro has apparently uh, survived over 600 uh, assassination attempts from the U.S. And then, of course, uh, Creative Associates also is behind a lot of the um, a lot of the discord within uh, the hip hop community in Cuba as well. So, Creative Associates hired a Serbian promoter who had been part of this color revolution against uh, Slobodan Milosevic 20 years ago. Um, what they did was they flew him out. He started his own company called uh, Canvas. And he was really, you know, this head honcho and really kind of thinking about the new sort of color revolutions which are going on. He was uh, in the pay of the U.S. government. He was uh, flown to Latin America. And the whole point was that he was trying to find local rappers and artists which he could uh, use to try to further anti-government messages. And uh, how he did this was, you know, he went around, he found some people, and then he basically flashed the cash in Latin America by bribing quite well-known artists or rappers from other parts of Latin America to allow his men to go on tour with them or to open up for them, which gave them credibility. And then Zunzunio, this uh, this app, this Twitter clone, was then used to promote these rappers to make it seem like everybody in Cuba was talking about them, when in fact they had essentially no, uh, no organic following whatsoever, but they were just being pushed because they were willing to spread a political message which was conducive to what the CIA and to what people in Washington wanted. And, you know, that really kind of begs the question, were these 2021 July protests, which were immediately led by the hip hop community, was that part of Creative Associates' uh, remit as well? You know, if you go to their website, you'll see that um, even though they say, oh, we've worked in at least 85 countries. If you type in Cuba, there isn't a, a single word about that island on its website, despite the fact that, you know, uh, they've been exposed worldwide as, have been, as, having been worked, as having worked on the island for years. So, you know, it does kind of beg the question of whether creative associates or these uh, rappers that were leading the protests were kind of working in hand in hand with the U.S. government.
0: Okay, Alan, let's let's talk about um, the Cuban protests that took place just a couple of weeks ago that completely overtook all headlines in the United States um, that basically resulted in the United States to slap Cuba with additional sanctions uh, just actually this week. How did CAI influence those protests?
1: <laughs> well, the short answer is we don't know, but there are a lot of interesting leads to look at. As I said before, CAI had been absolutely um, integral into the mission, into trying to get hip hop commu- the hip hop community in Cuba on board with the U.S. regime change agenda. Uh, Cuban hip hop really became very important and uh, well listened to on the island in the late '90s and early 2000s, and it was really used as a vehicle for social commentary. A lot of uh, Afro-Cubans, in particular, used it to talk about issues which are kind of taboo in Cuba, like, for instance, uh, racial disparities and uh, economic injustice between uh, Afro-Cubans and white Cubans, which there are there are very real. Um, but the U.S. really saw this as an, uh, as a way to, you know, drive further discord and division among Cubans, and they wanted to use it as a wedge issue. And so, as I said before, CAI was used in the late 2000s and early 2010s to recruit Cuban rappers to this cause. And really, since then, Cuban rap has been kind of on the downhill because a lot of people tend to associate it with this, you know, crazy anti-government conspiracy that's just going on. But yeah, the July protests were very interesting. Uh, They started off in a small town in the west of Cuba. And then almost immediately, even if you read uh, corporate media accounts in the US, they were signal boosted by people in Miami. And within hours, even the president of the United States was talking about everybody should get on the streets and we should defend the uh, rights of Cubans to peacefully protest. Uh, This thing it seems never really got beyond a few hundred people in Havana and other cities um, protesting, but it was uh, presented as if this was, you know, the the thing that was happening in the world. Uh, there was a lot of talk about police brutality, but the actual shots of uh, what was going on there, the video images showed that it was really quite lightly policed. Immediately, Cuban rappers came to the fore and started um Started leading these protests. There was, in particular, quite a famous rapper called Yo2L, who now lives in Spain, who started, uh, became kind of an unofficial leader. He led uh, a big sympathy protest in Miami. His song "Patria y Vida." um became kind of an unofficial anthem for the protests and was even being tweeted out by people like Samantha Power and uh, the Western Hemisphere secretary, um, what was her name uh, Chang I think her name is uh, what was going on there? I mean this guy has clearly been uh, hothoused and uh, bred for this position and this is really on the basis of what CIA has been doing clandestinely for years. And so it leads a lot of Cubans to think was this completely? AstroTurf from the beginning, or did the US government jump on it, jump on a natural protest which happened? Because obviously there are serious problems in Cuba, especially after the COVID crisis, which has destroyed their their economy because uh, it's based on tourism and nobody's coming. But yeah, certainly a lot of Cubans are scratching their heads and thinking, to what extent was the US government involved in this? And if the US government was involved, it's pretty likely CAI was as well.
0: Well, and I think that begs the next question, which is, you know, is Creative Associates International, you know, can we consider it a private company or can we consider it an arm of the U.S. government? How intertwined is it with the U.S. government?
1: Yeah, I guess that's a good question. I mean, they are a private company in the sense that they are a for-profit company, which uh, seems to make quite a lot of money. Um, However, when you look at some of the aspects of the company, maybe it seems to get a little bit uh, more difficult to tell the difference between private and public. For instance, their headquarters is in Chevy Chase, Maryland, just outside Washington DC, where a lot of the big um, think tanks and big uh, weapons companies also have their headquarters. It's colloquially known as Raytheon Acres. When you have a look at their board, six of the seven people on their uh, advisory board are high U.S. officials, including a U.S. general who was in charge of um, Central Asia, including Afghanistan. They also have the former head of USAID, Andrew Natsios, on on their board as well. And, you know, Natsios kind of gave the game away when uh, Trump was planning on cutting funding for USAID. He said, and I quote, What you're basically doing is eviscerating the most important tool of American influence in the developing world, which is our development program. I don't think they understand what the role of USAID is, what USAID's mission directors are, and USAID's uh, mission directors are among the most influential foreigners in the country, he said. So that's really, you know, it's kind of um, a way of really looking into their mind that, that they see... USAID is really performing this soft power role.
0: Are um, they, I don't mean to interrupt you. Are they? Did you say they are funded by USAID?
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, virtually all of their funding, Creative okay. Associates, comes from USAID. They've taken $2 billion of uh, government contracts in the last couple of decades, $1.8 billion of which comes from USAID, which, as a lot of people watching this will know, was created by the Reagan administration as a direct front for the CIA um, in fact, uh, the co-founder of uh, USAID, uh, Alan Weinstein, said uh, a lot of what we do openly was done covertly by the CIA 25 years ago. And so, yeah, the fact that this company is taking virtually all of its money from the U.S. government, uh, most of the senior people in its uh, uh, organization or former government uh, higher-ups, uh, the fact that, you know, it's headed in Washington and, and works hand-in-hand with the CIA and other intelligence groups uh, strongly suggests that uh, really this is kind of a company that's being deliberately held at uh, arm's length for the convenience of the U.S. government.
0: And this, I mean, it, I mean, it's, then, then that would also mean that this is funded through our taxpayer money if it's funded through the USAID. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. That's right. And then they're making, they're not only doing this stuff and then they're making profits off of it as well.
0: Okay. Let's talk about some other countries. I mean, you talked a little bit about Iraq, um, Afghanistan, Haiti, obviously much of their presence has been in Cuba. What do you think about, uh, what, I mean, what other countries have they been actively involved in that we can talk about today?
1: Uh, well, one of them might be uh, Nicaragua, for instance. Um, they've had a long history in that country, the Central American country. If you go back to the 1980s, Nicaragua was uh, controlled by the left wing Sandinistas, the anti imperialist, probably semi Marxist force that uh, was the government there. And the US was throwing tons of money into death squads to try to overthrow the government and bring about the return of uh, the Somoza dictatorship or something similar. And the U.S. government stopped uh, funding the Contras in 1989. And almost immediately afterwards, Creative Associates International began working in Nicaragua with the Contras. Now, to be fair, uh, they do say that all they were doing was actually offering these former rebels uh, um, education opportunities, things like that, to try to, you know, Ease them back into civilian life. But what also seems to have been going on was an attempt to unite the various forces of the conservative opposition together to try to defeat the Sandinistas electorally. Um, Election laws about foreign funding were, foreign government funding, were kind of circumvented by creative associates international by setting up these kind of little NGOs which you know officially work with everyone but you know frankly in practice are only working with the elite or with groups that the US government wants them to work with in the first place and you know ultimately if that was their goal they succeeded because in 1990 Nicaragua after years of punishing sanctions eventually ended up voting for Violeta Chamorro who was the US government's preferred candidate and uh, then they had, yeah, over a decade of uh, rule by this uh, Chamorro dynasty, and so yeah, CIA. I'm trying to say C-A-I, not CIA. It's very similar, not just linguistically, but um, yeah, I think they they have proved uh, absolutely just a fantastic tool for the U.S. government all around the world.
0: I want to go back to Afghanistan because right now Afghanistan is a big hot topic in the news with the, you know, the U.S. military. Leaving the Kabul airport and just all of these scenes and imagery that is, that is coming out. How has Creative Associates International uh, played a role in Afghanistan from the very beginning? I know you mentioned that they rehauled much of their education system to not even mention the Taliban, which is so incredible because the Taliban has been such an integral has played such an integral role in part of their modern history. Um, what el- what else can we see that Creative Associates International has done? In Afghanistan,
1: yeah, they've mostly been working either in construction or education. But it's important to note that even though they're getting these very large contracts, I know that they've got they've managed to get hundreds of millions of dollars worth of contracts from the NED and uh, USAID in Afghanistan. That a lot of that money just goes straight back to the U.S. and never leaves uh, America in the first place because. Uh, Creative Associates has to have security. And so they hire uh, Blackwater, or now they're called Academy, but yeah, um, US security groups. Um, And this this whole grift just goes on through Afghanistan. I've got this new piece coming out, which is uh, specifically about how much money has been wasted in Afghanistan. And it is just astonishing, the grift of a lot of these companies who have been feeding from the trough of the US government, who have been Splashing billions upon billions of dollars into all these phony or ridiculous or quixotic uh, reconstruction efforts, whether that's uh, infrastructure or whether it's schools and universities or hospitals, et cetera, which have basically come to nothing. And CAI has been really a central part of that. They've, uh, together with Iraq, that those two countries have really. Um, really been the lion's share of their contracts throughout the years. Um, Generally, they tend to hire locals to do the actual teaching because it's very dangerous for Westerners to be there. But uh, yeah, ultimately, they're taking, you know, considerable profits out of this uh, system. And as I said, they're part of this uh, NGO think tank industrial complex, which has really arisen and are, you know, these are really some of the strongest opponents of, uh, against getting out of Afghanistan. And we've seen all of them talking in the uh, corporate media over the last couple of weeks about how this is, a, you know, such a terrible mistake and a quagmire that the United States, uh, and a, you know, black mark against Joe Biden. And why aren't we standing up for the women and children there? Um, you know, kind of ignoring the fact that uh, very little has been done for women and children in Afghanistan over the last 20 years of U.S. rule
0: so what, what other think tanks, NGOs, act in tandem or very similarly um, to uh, CAI?
1: <laughs> There's kind of a spectrum of uh, these companies, I guess. You know, in the 2000s, everybody was talking about Halliburton, which was Dick Cheney's operation, which was really mostly concerned with uh, energy and oil. Where CAI is more concerned with education and infrastructure. Of course, there's Blackwater, which is much more of a security company. Of course, that's called Academy now. There are ones that are quite similar to CAI, like RTI International or Chemonics. But, you know, again, uh, a lot of these uh, groups are quite similar to the think tanks that populate DC and New York. Uh, you know, these uh, four-letter agencies like CSIS or CNAS, Or, you know, the Brookings Institute, the Hudson Institute, or the Carnegie Endowment for Peace. All of these groups, you know, pump out either reports saying, hey, you know, we think the U.S. should invade this country, or it's crazy to think about, you know, reducing the military budget here. And so many of them are actually being funded uh, by the U.S. government or by weapons uh, contractors directly. So this is just a complete scam to try and fill our ears with this sort of uh, nonsense, this pro-war propaganda. Uh, and you know, the, the people who are really making a massive buck out of this are companies like CAI, you know, if you go to, uh, Raytheon Acres in Virginia, one of the only successful reconstruction efforts over the past 20 years has actually been around there. That, that area there has changed remarkably over the last two decades. It's become extremely uh, wealthy. If you had, uh, If you had invested $10,000 in a company like Lockheed Martin uh, in 2001, just before September 11th, you'd now be sitting on over $130,000 today. And so really what I'm saying is even losing wars make money. And the people who are making money off of this are the think tank industrial complex, like CAI, like RTI International, Chemonics, or the weapons companies themselves.
0: And so they're, and they're, and they're really behind uh, drafting these policies that make it to the president's desk, making its way to politicians' desks to influence the way that they talk about uh, war and policy. So how has uh, this organization influenced, uh, I guess, policies here in the United States?
1: Well, I'm not sure if CAI is specifically involved in influencing policy in that sense, but they're certainly interested in it. As I said, a lot of the people on their board are top politicians. There are there are mayors of uh, important cities. There's you know former elected officials. There's um you know ambassadors to different countries and generals. And certainly, if you look at um, groups like CNAS or CSIS or uh, you know, the Carnegie Endowment for Peace at the Council of Foreign Relations or the Atlantic Council. It's all of these groups that really are staffed by these people who are hothoused in elite universities. Maybe they spend a couple of years in the military or working for some, you know, lobbyist in DC. And then they start pumping out reports, which are supposed to be expert reports about what the U S needs to do either, either, uh, internally or in foreign policy. And really, uh, when you look at them, it's always arguing for more war, more spending on the military, and uh, yeah, just generally more hostilities around the world. And frankly, when you look at who is funding these companies, it's really no surprise that this is happening because so often these companies are, sorry, these uh, think tanks are being funded by the likes of Raytheon and Boeing and Lockheed Martin, who are making Billions and billions of dollars of the suffering of millions and millions of people around the world. You know, people in the Middle East are paying for American wars and blood, whereas Americans are just playing, paying for it for their tax dollars. But, you know, if somebody's paying out, somebody else is getting rich. And it tends to be stockholders in these companies which profit off war. Obviously, groups like um Lockheed Martin or Raytheon are kind of more um more transparently egregious in the fact that they're actually selling the weapons. But groups like CAI are actually doing, they're pretty much in the same business. They're pretty much, you know, doing the same thing. If they're not actually pulling the trigger, they're the ones that are cleaning up the mess afterwards and sending the U.S. an enormous bill for the the pleasure.
0: That's incredible. I mean, this is an organization, like you said, that's so intertwined with the U.S. government um, and the think tank industrial complex that, might as well be called uh, the CIA. I mean, it's very, very similar in the way that it is, um, you know, uprooting societies, I think, um, in the global south and influencing the way the education system is um, written for children so that it could uh, work in the benefit of Western imperialism and to promote regime change, as we've seen what CAI has done in Cuba. Um, Alan McLeod, um, thank you so much for joining us today. You guys can, for all those who have been listening and watching, you can find this investigation at MintPressNews.com. We're also going to link in it uh, below the video. Um, This interview is also going to be available um, in audio format um, in our SoundCloud account when you search for Mintcast. Thank you so much, Alan, for joining us today.
1: Good to be with you.